Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers. I'm your host, Kukonos Kusana Ritchie. My guest today is Brooke Daniels, who is the founder and CEO of Daniels & Co. And she's also a go-to-market expert. Brooke has founded several companies herself and is passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to take their ideas and turn them into great businesses. She has designed a program called Ready, Aim, Launch, which is a system that is designed to help you get out of your own way and achieve your business goals. Brooke has worked in startups and corporate and in a broad range of sectors, including tech, food, and finance. So she has a lot of experience to share with her clients. This is a season about purpose-driven entrepreneurs, and Brooke believes she is fulfilling her purpose through her work and explains how she has found alignment in all aspects of her life. In our conversation, we also talk about what it takes to become an entrepreneur, how meditation shifted her perspective on her own business journey, how she advises her clients to think about funding, and being an investor herself, what she looks for in a startup. As usual, this is a conversation that covers many aspects beyond business, and I hope you will view your own journey through a new and different lens after hearing the story of Brooke Daniels. How would you describe your work in, uh, in terms of what you do on a day-to-day and also the deeper meaning you attach to that work? Absolutely. And thanks for having me on Shades and Layers. Kudlano, I'm super excited to be here today. I would describe the work I do as CEO of Daniels & Co. as a business strategy firm. So practically, we work with founders in the ideation stage or founders who are ready to kind of scale to that next level of their business, get prepared to launch. And we do all that based on our ready, aim, launch methodology. And from a deeper meaning perspective, I really feel like this is is purpose-driven work for me, the work that that God is calling me to do. And actually, Daniels & Co. started because of the work that I've done at Salesforce Ventures. I had so many founders reaching out to me for advice, feedback on pitches, that I decided to shift into making this an official company and a business with Daniels & Co. And it's been great shifting the focus there. Wonderful. So what does it mean to be a purpose-driven entity? For me, it's all around following what you've been called to do. And I'll share a a brief story and kind of segue back if that's okay, Kudlano. Sure. But probably about two and a half years ago, actually right before we shut down here in the U.S. for COVID, I went to go see Oprah, who was on tour. And (laughs) I know she's fantastic. And I knew she was fantastic, but it was actually my first time hearing her speak live. Mm -hmm. And she discussed this notion of being in the flow and how opportunities and things really fall into place when you're following your purpose in life Mm -hmm. versus kind of struggling against opportunities or feeling like you have to force your way through things. And it really, really spoke to me. At that point in time, I was working 60, 70 hours a week. I was traveling 70% of the time. I was almost actually at a a point of burnout. And uh, Oprah convinced me to really turn things around and start meditating, which has had a, a profound impact on my life. I'm actually uh, almost to the end of getting certified to be a meditation coach under Deepak Chopra. Oh, so wonderful. Finishing that up. <laughs> yes. Next month. So super excited about it um, because of the impacts meditation had for me. And so I started to shift as a person, but also from a career into that alignment, into that purpose, 
really finding time to be silent and look within and listen. And that kind of spills over to my business. It's how I live life, but it's also how I want to think about doing business and building wealth for my family. Because obviously we do have a, a business to build wealth, but I do believe, and I'm seeing already that when you're really in your purpose and doing the work that you've been called to do, you can absolutely find the uh, the success and wealth generation opportunities that many of us are, are looking for. Mm. And what is this work that you've been called to do? For the most part, it is business coaching. But again, I want to make sure people understand there's so many coaches is, is so overused now. And so mm. I would say where I really lean in, there's a lot of business coaches. Everybody does something slightly different. I focus on the underlying strategy and helping founders take a really great idea and build it into a really great business. Um, A lot of founders I work with will share, they've got an idea, but don't know what step is next, or they don't know um, what steps are two two and three out. Uh, Mm. A lot of the founders I work with have functional expertise. So in whatever space they're in, whether that's the legal space or, or healthcare or restaurants, they see a problem, they have an idea for a solution, but maybe don't have all of that other business acumen side to know, well, how do I turn this into something real? Where do I go? How do I find community and resources? Mm. And so that is really where I lean in. I want to provide knowledge to founders to help them avoid pitfalls of failure, avoid wasting time and wasting money, but actually get get their business off the ground. Um, I help with business modeling. And so a lot of founders will say, I want to make $100,000 with this business in a year. But when we dive into the meat and potatoes of, well, how many units do you have to sell? And what's the price point of that to get there? A lot of founders are kind of intimidated by that business modeling. So I teach them how to use a very simple business modeling pro forma tool where you can get into those numbers mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. actually even understand how much money do you need to get started because every business needs money. So we actually <laughs> talk about that, <laughs> how yes. to estimate how much you how much you need, what does that runway look like? And then that launch element is now how do we get you to scale and and think bigger? And I, I bring that up because I know a lot of founders out there. Um, and even in my own community, my own family who build businesses where they are exchanging their time for money yeah, because they just didn't build something big enough. It's not that they can't, they just got started where it's like, I'm doing a service, whatever that may be. But then they get to this place where if they have to take time out of work, the money stops. Mm. Or I know one person who uh, was out for a month because of COVID and everything stopped for that full month because he hadn't built a business that could sustain when when he wasn't there. And so- that's right. the other area I focus on is how do we help you think big enough, right? And build mm-hmm. enough revenue where you can afford to hire and things like that. We want to make those ideas bigger for founders and give them that blueprint. So coming out of working with me, generally founders have a blueprint that they now feel very confident that they can go execute on. So what do you advise? I mean, who would you advise to go into business and who would you steer away from uh, going the entrepreneurial journey? That is an interesting question. I've always had like an entrepreneurial bug in me, mm-hmm. uh, even in high school. So I, I believe anybody could be an entrepreneur, but I think it's about being honest on if you are willing to maybe step up to the plate and take on the responsibility that it takes to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. In terms of that entrepreneurial mindset, it really does have to be around being solution oriented and willing to get over the challenges that are definitely going to come in your business. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so one thing I share with founders all the time is my husband and I, we're business partners and life partners. And 
he's a chef. And our first company that we opened together was a food truck in Charlotte. We did global street food in the form of like sliders and appetizers. But Mm. our first food truck we bought from a really bad vendor and the food truck, we took it out on its first day and first shift and the truck broke down. Oh, no. (laughs) You know, you want to talk about 40 to 50,000 easily wasted right on that first food truck. We, we sat down, we were like, we can't go this way. This doesn't represent our brand. We had contracts that we are already committed to that we now could not fulfill. And we went back to the drawing board and said, look, this is our dream. We really want to do this. We're not giving up. And it was a blackout moment where we went back in, we brainstormed, we thought about all our resources and we came out of that and actually bootstrapped another $35,000, $40,000 to be able to buy a second food truck. So came back three months later and launched. And I mentioned that to say that that is kind of that problem solving mindset Mm -hmm, you have mm -hmm. to have as an Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. If you want to do what you're passionate, you're going to make mistakes. You will lose money at some points. I try to help you not lose as much, but everybody's going to make mistakes. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. (laughs) It's how you react, right? Are you willing to pick yourself up and keep going? Are you really to stay motivated and passionate about your dream? And are you, I would say a self-driven person where so much starts and stops with you as an entrepreneur. If you don't get out of bed and do it, then no one else will do it in those early days. And mm-hmm. if you're a person that doesn't have that, maybe it's not a great fit for you if you really want to, you know, have an eight to five and kind of come do a task, not necessarily have to lead on something. But if you do have that drive and that mentality where you can really push, lead, get things done, leverage resources, then I think entrepreneurship can be very, yeah. very valuable. Yeah. But I like that you also mentioned that you have a business partner in your in your husband. Um, and that's, I find, quite essential to have somebody to bounce ideas off. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Definitely. My goals would look so different without my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, it's fantastic to bounce ideas off of each other, but also support each other. I think Sometimes that can be really difficult for first-time entrepreneurs, especially if you're coming from a family or a group of friends that uh, haven't embraced entrepreneurship. Yes. It's it's hard, right, to find that community or someone that understands or someone that will motivate you during those down moments versus try to make you feel like you're on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that partner in my husband is just even better where we can do life together. But he's my biggest fan. I'm his biggest fan. We have a couple businesses that we um, do together. And then we all also have our own individual focus. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But it's so important to have someone there to not only bounce ideas off of, but to help you get through those tough moments when sometimes you just need a friend or someone to listen and give you perspective. Great. There's so much to speak about as far as that goes. <laughs> but let's go back to um, how you help entrepreneurs themselves. So you have a methodology that you teach called Ready, Aim, Launch. How did you formulate this uh, methodology? So most of it came from the work that I did with founders and also in my own career. Mm-hmm. Before uh, Daniels & Co., even before I entered into venture capital, which um, I've been in the VC space for a few years now, Mm. the bulk of my career was actually spent working in startup companies and advising startups on growth. So Mm. business development, go to market. As I mentioned, my husband and I have also launched some businesses alongside of it. And Mm -hmm. it was that knowledge taken from our own entrepreneurship journeys, advising founders, but also working in 
startup companies like Intap, which is a tech startup company I worked at, uh, spent some time at Salesforce and got to see uh, that at scale. And so it was a really interesting perspective as a small business owner, but working in tech startups. Um, and you would be amazed at how many of these business principles are the same. Mm. Uh, also resonates from my MBA that I have from, from UNC. But at the heart of it, a lot of people think that the business principles are different uh, if you're in a different company and focus. I would say maybe 15% might be different, but the heart of the actual business strategy is the same. You still need, step one for us is a game time mindset, which we just spoke about. Mm. You still have to go through, right? Building that muscle of having the right mindset to be an entrepreneur and to tackle that journey with confidence. We go through competitive market analysis. Doesn't matter what business you're in. If you don't know your competition, the market, and how you're going to uniquely differentiate, you don't have a good business, right? Mm -hmm. Every, Mm -hmm. whether you're a restaurant, a tech company, everybody has to have a unique point of view. And same thing with the business strategy and go to market. And so again, this is really foundational business principles for the strategy. Um, The other aspect that kind of helped me build this is a lot of people will ask for support with their pitch deck. Like help me get my pitch deck in place. Help me get my business in place. Mm -hmm. And usually where people fall down, it's not the actual design or presentation in the deck is that something's missing in the strategy behind the deck, Mm. if that makes sense. And so that's kind of where this came from is let's not talk about your deck. Let's talk about the business strategy behind it. Let's talk about your sales strategy, your marketing strategy, how you're thinking about partnerships and really set you up for success. So when you spend, start spending those dollars towards your business idea and market, you've got a really strong foundation to build on. Wonderful. Yeah. This is Shades and Layers with Kutuanos Kusana, and my guest today is Brooke Daniels, CEO at Daniels & Co. Brooke is also an investor, and so in this next part of our conversation, she talks about what she looks for in a startup, and you will also find out what you should look for when engaging a business advisor. She also has some words of wisdom when it comes to raising finance. So do you have uh, clients in all business sectors or, you know, do you find that uh, you attract a certain kind of client also like in terms of gender? You know, who are you working with? You know, it's been interesting kind of figuring that out because even for myself, I I feel like I want to be more uh, niche as I work with clients. But it's been it's actually been pretty broad. I'd say 50 percent of the uh, clients I work with are in tech. Mm-hmm. Because that's my background. So I do get a lot of clients that are building tech companies that want to scale. But on the flip side, because of the work that my husband and I do in the community, again, mentioning that we have the food truck business. We also have another business now. Uh, it's called Alsace Legacy Group that helps um, small business owners understand how to use business credit. Mm. So if you're not going for you know venture capital, every every business needs access to capital. We help those founders understand how they can access capital from either traditional banks or alternative forms uh, forms of capital. And so I do work with a lot of small business owners as well that are outside right. of that tech space. And so uh, maybe maybe sixty five percent women, thirty five percent male, but nice. it's a nice. It's a nice um, mix because of the different sectors. And so on the small business owner side, we've worked with one company who has um, like a paint and sip business um, mm-hmm. and helped her think through how do I take that paint and sip business and revenue that is mostly consumer driven yep. and actually take a B2B approach. 
And now she's got, she took this amazing picture of her in her room with uh with all these FedEx boxes all around her because a corporate company booked her to do Aww. their paint and sip party. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> her paint and sip party and, you know, just the impact of that, right? One client where I forget how many boxes it was. It was like over a hundred different <laughs> kits compared to selling that one-on-one. And that just brought a smile to my face to see her embrace that other channel and kind of going B2B on the sales side. That's a great client success story. And I mean, you mentioned that uh, when you're in business, there are going to be plenty of moments where, you know, you make mistakes. Um, Any recent ones where you and a client maybe didn't gel or just, you know, you looked at this situation and thought, okay, I have to review how I do things. And this is what I think to do to improve uh, my offer. Well, maybe the the interesting part, and I tell people all the time, like the founders that I work with are brilliant people. They have great ideas. And I tell them all the time, you have what you need within you to solve the problem. I mm. more than anything want to ask the right questions, maybe give you something to think about, share some knowledge, but kind of help you think through the problem. But the founder always gets to come up with the answer. And I did have a founder I was working with recently that was actually in a very specialized space where they were kind of building out a vision around um, bringing more data and knowledge and um, resources around specifically founders of color. So underrepresented minority founders and wanting to aggregate that data together. Great idea, great vision. But I kind of shared some of the uh, challenges they might have for fundraising for that type of a business because you really have to sell people on the market being big enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there was a pivot moment in that business that uh, they had around, am I on the right path or do I want to pivot? And um, ultimately, they decided to make some changes based on the work we did together. But again, that was the founder's choice of us kind of doing the work together together. We uh, went through not only the knowledge piece, but we brainstormed together. I also made some warm intros. That's the other thing I try to do for my founders is is really lean into my network and bring those resources and warm intros. And after getting that feedback from a couple of friendly people, it's like, you know what? I'm glad we did this because I see a way to pivot my business that's going to make it even better. You're a coach, advisor, strategist, and as a founder, you know, what what should I look for when I need to work with a coach or somebody with the type of services that you offer? Oh my gosh, I think it's so important. Even for me, I have coaches and advisors that I work with. I think everyone has to have someone that's helping you think through your business and giving you perspective and asking questions. It's just an important part of continued growth. Mm-hmm. As an entrepreneur, we can't be stagnant. We always have to be growing and thinking about what's next. Um, I would say specifically for a business coach, advisor, strategist, I know what I look for and what I recommend founders look for is one, just being honest about where you are in your business and what's going to help you get to that next step. Sometimes it's really easy to get caught up in five steps ahead, right? Mm -hmm, And we're thinking mm -hmm. about our three and five year plan and what we want it to be, but you can lose sight of like the execution you have to have to take just that next one step. And so I encourage founders to think about what do I really need to help me get to that next step in my business and finding coaches and advisors that uh, help you do that specifically. There was a new study that just came out that said something like 61% of Americans have ideas, but don't know how to launch them. And maybe another 32% said that they would launch their business today if they had support to do it. And so that is a lot of who I work with are people that are 
either in that phase and about to take the plunge or the ones who've decided I want to take the plunge, but what next? Mm-hmm. And that's where I really come into place to help them say, let's let's put the blueprint together. Let's talk about what's next. Let's take your idea and turn it into something that's really unique and differentiated. So you feel like you've got a winning idea and a roadmap when you're ready to launch. We do do a little bit of pre-launch in and I've got a new offering coming out. I, most of what I've been doing has been an eight-week accelerator for people that really want to go fast. They want to get um, their business off the ground in a shorter time frame. And so it's group coaching alongside some pre-recorded content. There's homework week to week, but we go through it as a small cohort. Um, but I'm actually launching. I do do a little bit of VIP coaching as well, but mm-hmm. uh, just due mm-hmm. to bandwidth, I take on very, very few clients for that, but that is one-on-one coaching. Yeah. But I am launching a new academy that I'm excited about for people who maybe don't want to accelerate everything in those eight weeks, right? And more so right, want right. content on demand. We'll do master classes. I'll bring in speakers and also really building out that community aspect. Uh, and that will be launching next month in November. Wonderful. Yeah. So how can you be discerning as uh, somebody who's starting out in entrepreneurship? There's so much online, so many offers, you know, how do you know what a good offer is when it comes to choosing a business coach, mentor, or a community that's going to support you on your journey? There is so much. It's overload. And and sometimes on Facebook, I don't know about you, I click on one ad and then now I'm served up five different ads, right? Oh. For something slightly, <laughs> slightly similar. It's, there's so much out there. But I would recommend always looking at that person's actual background and track record as a first step. Mm-hmm. Sometimes social media and Instagram can make a lot of things look very shiny. Mm-hmm. But I think experience and testimonials and clients and work ethic, all of that stands on its own. And so that's one way when I think about what I offer through Ready Aim Launch and being differentiated is I've actually done it. I am a small business owner. I mean, my husband um, still launched businesses. I've worked with startup companies who have gone on to raise $34, million, $50 million in VC capital. Mm. They've also been an early employee at, um, at, uh, startup companies that have grown all the way to go through IPO. And so those are my unique experiences wow. that I get to bring right to my clients through this program. And I would say find that coach and program where those experiences are something that you feel like is really valuable to kind of cut through, cut through some of the noise. Cause all of them are a little bit different. You just have to find the ones that work for you. And I would say kind of going back to that earlier point around understanding what you need. Mm-hmm. Some programs may be really uh, about execution or, hey, I'm going to help you with your marketing strategy and get your drip campaign set up and launch ads. I'm going to help you with this. And I've seen some that are uh, maybe around helping you with um, branding, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. say where I focus is actually a little bit before that. We do talk about branding. We do get into the marketing fundamentals. But if you don't know exactly what it is you're branding or marketing and how it's going to make you money, then those efforts can be wasted or not uh, don't give you the return on your dollars that you think you're going to get. Right. Well, there's so much, you know, to get in place and that uh, you work with coaches. You know, what other support structure do you have around you to, you know, get you from here to the next step or just, you know, day to day? Because uh, there are so many challenges just even getting through one day. There are. There are. I have so many, Kutlana. <laughs> I feel so blessed and fortunate to just be surrounded by so many amazing, supportive people and groups. 
obviously my husband and family. Um, I've got mentors that I worked with in corporate who have now kind of left corporate and and sit on uh, like public boards. And those mentors are just fantastic to continue to bounce ideas off of and share where they're going and even encourage me to think about what's next for me, Mm -hmm. uh, my career and how I grow my business. I'm very active in uh, Black VC groups Mm -hmm. that primarily, and, and that was actually what inspired me to go into venture capital was the fact that if you look at the number of minority-led businesses and even women-led businesses that are uh, funded, it's ridiculously low. It's like under 5% combined for those two groups. Just makes no sense, right? crazy. Yeah. And I know that the power to us changing those numbers is to get more Black check writers, women check writers, minority check writers into these VC funds so we can then make sure dollars are flowing to our founders where we may be able to relate to the problems they see in solving differently, right? Than people that don't have those experiences. And so that's how I got into to venture capital was, and that was my purpose, but super involved with Black VC. I sit on the steering committee there and that's an organization that's focused on uh, 3XN, the number of uh, Black venture capitalists that are in the space over five years. So that is a fantastic community I'm a part of. I'm actually part of another group called the Cap Table Coalition. Mm-hmm. And I sit on the investment committee for that group. It's a, a group of an angel investors, uh, but all the angel investors in that group are Black and Latinx. Mm. And uh, we take up space uh, on cap tables. And if you're not familiar with cap tables, every time a company who is high growth and wants to raise money and hopefully IPO, every time they raise money, the investments and people that invest end up on a cap table. And the cap table coalition is saying, hey, all of these deals are happening, even the best deals, your cap table should represent the clients and customers you serve in our communities. And so you should have black and brown people, right? On yes, your cap table. Yes. And so we get founders to take this 10% pledge where they pledge that 10% of their round will, will go to black and Latinx investors and the cap table coalition. We work with angel investors to fill that round. Um, so if anybody out there is interested in angel yeah. investing, definitely mm-hmm. check out mm-hmm. cap table coalition. It's, it's wealth generation from a different lens, from an investing lens, but the same kind of passion. It's very tied together when it comes to um, an ecosystem perspective. Yeah. It's great to know that there are all these resources because, of course, access to capital is one of the biggest challenges for um, new entrepreneurs. So what's your advice for somebody who's sitting there and thinking, OK, how do I get this business running? Where do I get the funding? Absolutely. Raising capital is hard, but it, it, it's intimidating, right? Part of it is mentally like feeling like it's going to be challenging and how Mm -hmm. do you get over that? Um, I would say step one is you have to know realistically how much money you actually need. Mm -hmm. And that's where that business modeling piece that I focus on the founders is so important because you'll be amazed at how many people are like, I think I need 20,000 and we get in there and we put assumptions in on cost and things like that. And it's like, actually, I need more than that. Yep. I think close to 50% of businesses um, shut down and go out of business because they run out of access to capital. Yeah, Everybody needs capital. And so step one is let's figure out how much capital you actually need so we know what we're aiming for. I would say say step two is to just get educated on all the different resources and ways that you can raise capital. Um, Venture capital is sexy. People talk about it, but very few businesses are actually a fit for venture capital. Mm-hmm. You have to be high growth. 
super high scale. You got to want to double the business, 2X, 3X the business year over year, right? There's certain characteristics. And so if you think you want to go after venture capital, you can easily Google search like characteristics of a venture capital-based business in your industry Mm -hmm. and see if that's what you're building. But if it's not, there's so many other ways to get capital. And again, this is where my husband focuses with his business uh, is around understanding business credit. Um, even beyond business credit, though, you can look at um, SBA loans are valuable. We've definitely leveraged SBA loans at times throughout our um, entrepreneurship journey. There are grants available. There are pitch competitions. And on the business credit side, what we do is help uh, people actually set up their companies with the appropriate legal structure. So getting the LLC, whatever structure you pick, actually set up and then going through a series of steps to build a um, a business cro- credit profile that stands on your own. And then we also have a funding department that then helps people understand like what are the different ways that I could go about funding the business. Mm-hmm. And they are out there. They are definitely out there. Um, you do, in some cases, when you're early, have to have a decent personal credit. I tell people I'm just going to put that plug out there anyway, no matter what has happened with your credit, no matter what relationship you've had historically with credit, it's never too late and you absolutely need to get on a path to get it uh, on track. I think that's something that we don't always talk about enough in our community is why we need credit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'm not encouraging people to just go into debt with credit um, as a means of survival, but when you're a business owner and you need access to capital or something uh, hits the fan, right? Yeah. And you, you're trying to fall back. If you don't have strong credit, you find yourself in a really bad position and you're going to pay more money or for all the money that you borrow because your interest rates are going to be higher. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we, I, I hate to make that plug, but I have to make that <laughs> plug because we really need to talk about it. No shame out there. If your credit's in a bad place, no shame at all. Just make sure you are starting to get yourself on a path, especially as a business owner, because if you have a new business, and you're trying to raise money for that business, they're almost always wanting to look at your personal credit to see how responsible you've been with mm-hmm, borrowing money mm-hmm. historically. Yeah, yeah. So you're an investor yourself. What do you look for when you are looking to put your dollars into a business? So I do invest. My husband and I, we invest um, in businesses on the angel side. We do a lot of real estate investing too, which we really love. Mm-hmm. When it comes to a company entrepreneur, I'm usually looking for a founder who already has a product market fit. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like a lot of the coaching I do is helping people get that product market fit. <laughs> and what I mean by that is like not being in the ideation stage, because a lot of times that early capital you need to to start getting, unless you're building like a software company or something that has a really, really high cost to build your product. Um, there are a lot of things where you can find product market fit from kind of bootstrapping mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. those early uh, funding. But I generally want to see people who already build something, even if it's just in an early MVP format, but also have some current traction um, or, you know, customers who are interested in partnering for a pilot, but going on, going out there and proving that you're, you're building something that um, actually meets a, a need in the market. Yep. And usually at that point is when I'm a, a little bit more interested. I do t- tend to invest in a lot of um, tech companies because that's just my background. And also I get a lot of those deals come through, mm-hmm. but um, cap table coalition, we do also let founders pitch if they're interested. Um, and so that's another way that we get good deal flow is just if founders want to come in front of the angel uh, group, we would have them share their materials with the investment committee. And then if the investment committee thinks that our uh, angel group will be interested, then we arrange for them to pitch that group as well. 
Shades and Layers always has interesting guests and today we have Brooke Daniels who has a lot of wisdom and knowledge to share with founders. Most importantly, she walks the talk and teaches founders how to turn their ideas into successful businesses. In the next part of our conversation, she discusses her leadership style and explains how working in Germany early in her career has influenced her working and decision-making style. She also tells us about the life events that shaped the person that she is today, as well as other personal anecdotes. So let's talk about you as a leader. How would you describe yourself as a leader? What are your strengths? I would say it's it's interesting because your leadership style, I feel like it changes mm-hmm. uh, over the years as you grow and mature, <laughs> sure. uh, continue to be a better leader. I would say one thing that's top of mind for me in terms of of good leadership is making sure we give people the space to really be their best. And I feel like it's a misconception. I see it over and over again, especially in corporate where people feel like being a leader is just being a manager, which is like delegating work down and mm-hmm. right monitoring performance. But actually, I feel like leadership is how do I help my team be the best version of themselves? How do I help them grow? Obviously, performance is a big part of that. But the other side of it is really around, I say self-care, but I want to find a new way to to brand that, Kutlano, because self-care, I feel like is more of a one-time, right? Like, I'm going to take care of myself and do this one thing on the weekend. And maybe the next week, I'm going to do one thing. And actually, what I advocate for is more like total, total body care, Mm-hmm. Uh, mentally, mm-hmm. spiritually, physically, just making sure people have the space to do that. And what I mean by that is it's not healthy for us to always be on, right? Or feel like every day there's something urgent that we have to do that cuts into time to whatever it is that yes, makes you feel yes. good at the end of the mm-hmm. day, right? Mm-hmm. For me, it's meditation. I love yoga. I, as a leader, I want to make sure the people I work with have space to do those things, to have healthy relationships, because I know if they have that space, I'm actually going to get the best version of that person on the team when they come to work, right? Because they're rested, they've gotten good sleep, right? Their cup is full, they're not stretched thin. And so that is one, one major element I'm hoping to shift in business. And mm-hmm. even in startups is what does a good um, team member look like? And what does a good startup leader look like? And it doesn't look like someone who's working, you know, 20 hours a day, sleeping for four, burnout, stressed out, that person can't make good decisions, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How do you keep yourself motivated? It's a good question. Um, I don't know, maybe because my husband is my partner as well. We're, we're just very, very motivated. This is our, (laughs) our life plan and business plan. They don't feel separate, if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Connected. And the way we think about our life goals and even building our family and everything is very much in tune with um with our strategy for growing our businesses and again we've com- we've done a lot of different businesses we even had an e-commerce business but the space that we're in right now is like that sweet spot where it's very much about the founder and helping people build their own generational wealth and have that time freedom like at the heart we've just seen the impact that entrepreneurship has had on our lives and we mm-hmm. want to help more people get exposure to it Wonderful. So how do you differentiate between uh, your business partner and your life partner? I know that your mission and uh, your business are kind of aligned, but, uh, you know, 
you still have to be a couple. So <laughs> <laughs> how do you balance those roles? It's so true. We we did not have good balance in our early days. I will say that when we had the food truck, especially because of the nature of the food truck, mm-hmm. we had a big team, we were running multiple shifts. There was a period where we felt uh, like we were out of touch. Um, and that was actually one of the reasons that we decided to kind of pivot in our uh, business model and strategy and where we were going mm-hmm. um, was because the lifestyle did not did not meet the mark for what we wanted to do. Right. And so for us, you know, we try to be intentional on turning work off. So when we're on for work, we make time for it. When we're off for work, we're off mm-hmm. and we just do other things like we go for walks together, whether it's going out to the movies. but we definitely have times where it's like, hey, we're going to not talk about work right now and just uh, be us. And we kind of have accountability in that where usually it's me, I'll be honest, usually not my husband, but usually if I'm still talking <laughs> about work, the other person will remind us like, hey, we are stepping back from yes, this right now. This is our time. <laughs> this is our time. Um, yeah. We also set schedules. So I like to block time, which I think when you do a lot, it's very helpful. And so we try to block time at least twice a week that works for both of us. Mm-hmm. That's our dedicated work together time, whether that's we're learning something new or we're watching a podcast together or we're going over the financials or clients, but we try to block sessions where we do specifically those things together during the week. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So you're very structured. You're very focused. I know that you were partially educated in Germany. So (laughs) does this, does this influence the way you approach uh, life and business or you know, that came before and it got uh, solidified in Germany. Tell me more about that experience. That is so funny. You're probably right. Secretly, deep down, I'm sure that that um, <laughs> did impact how I how I business, how I uh, approach business, because that was actually my first job out of college uh, was in Germany, mm-hmm. working at a BMW Financial Services and project management. I, I would say I've always done a lot, but that's because there's been so much I wanted to do and I have amazing parents and my mom, even growing up, always made me feel like I could do any and everything that I wanted to do in life. And so um, I've always probably had a fuller plate than most people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but being in Germany was really interesting. It was a fantastic experience. I was a German minor and started German when I was 11 years old mm-hmm. in the U.S. and continued through high school and through college and had this opportunity to go abroad as part of this uh, U.S. State Department program to Mm -hmm. promote better business relationships between the two. Uh, But yes, being in Germany is definitely a different work culture, more conservative, very structured and very diligent on decision making. Mm -hmm. And so I would say I brought some of that over. It was probably a good thing, Kudlana, because sometimes my natural intuition is a little uh, make decisions a little quicker. <laughs> I kind of go, 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 right. We've got to, we got to make a decision and go. And I think some of those experiences from Germany really uh, taught me the value of sometimes slowing things out down and being thoughtful around mm-hmm. how we uh, make decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, in America, we want to make the decision and go. And Germany is a little bit opposite from that. And I like to think now I'm a, a hybrid of the two. <laughs> Great. But why Germany? I I just really enjoyed the language and the culture. When Mm. when I was in sixth grade, we got to do six weeks German, six weeks Spanish, and six weeks French. And Mm -hmm. then your seventh grade year, you picked which one you wanted to double down on. And I liked the German language. I also uh, heard it was the hardest language to learn out of the three. And so 
my 11 year old self was like, I'm up for a challenge. challenge. I want the hardest <laughs> language <laughs> that I could possibly <laughs> learn. And I took German. I didn't want to take what I thought was easy. And so uh, th- that was why I started. But once I got in there, you kind of, I just fell in love with it. And being able to like read in a different language mm. was really satisfying to me. I love to read. And so being able to pick up a book and read it in, in that native language it was written in mm. uh, was super powerful. And and then the culture aspect, like everything in Germany is so clean and the public transportation is amazing. When when it's like, we'll be there at 829, you can time out to the minute <laughs> when you walk out of your house, I you know, know. <laughs> to the second. Um, and so I just loved it, loved it, loved it. We actually, my husband actually just went back to Germany uh, this summer. Mm. And it was his first time in Germany. So I got to take him back and we met some friends and, you know, have authentic German cuisine. It was great. That's fun. So you speak quite a bit about your parents and um, what an impact they've had on your development and your interests. Do you have other two or three childhood memories you'd maybe like to share that have been instrumental in shaping you? Maybe one, not as maybe not as much a um, a childhood memory as a I guess it is a memory. It's a conversation I have with my mom as a child where I've always wanted to help people. I feel like even when I was a child, I could feel my purpose and calling to serve. Mm-hmm. And I would do all these different things to just try to help people trying to give. And I remember my mom sat me down and was like, I know that you have a big heart, but you can't save the world. <laughs> you cannot save everybody in this world. But remember that even the one or two you can save or help, that that matters. Like, even though you can't save everyone, helping one person, that matters just as much. My mom kind of having that conversation with me early made me refocus, feeling like, oh, my gosh, I have to be everything to everybody. And instead feeling like if I can even help just one person, right, one person on their journey, whatever that may be, um, that that really matters Mm, to mm. to the grander world and uh, the way I think about service. And if you had to write a memoir today, what would it be called and why? Wow, that's a good question. (laughs) I'm not sure. Maybe this title is probably taken, but maybe something along along the lines of uh, an empowered woman's journey. Mm -hmm. And I think about even as a a child growing up and through high school, I, I have always felt empowered. Mm-hmm. Even though I, you know, didn't come from a home where we had a lot. So I did not come from a, a family where we had roots in tech or entrepreneurship and sales. My mom was a teacher. My dad worked in factories and plants. But that upbringing of just you can do it. We believe in you. You can you can do what you want. I always felt empowered growing up. I never felt like there was something that I wouldn't be able to do. Uh, and I just feel like that's the story of my life. Now, a lot of times, maybe I wasn't exposed, you know, early in my career, even when I got back from Germany, I, I no idea what venture capital was, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't necessarily shooting for that. My goals have changed. But at each step, when I figured out what I thought was more in tune with me or had my eyes open to something new, I always felt like I was empowered and supported from family, friends, networks, the grander universe to be able to get there. And I think that thread would would resonate true throughout my entire life journey. Nice. Really, really nice that you had so much affirmation. I know, I'm realizing how, uh, how important it is as I get older because I was fortunate to have it as a child. Mm. Do you know? Um, yeah. I'm realizing as I get older how important it is to um, to make sure we are continuing to affirm each other and people in our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if a movie about your life had to be made, who would play the main character? 
I have no idea. <laughs> I, of course, I'd like to say Michelle Obama, right? But yeah. she's not going to play my character. <laughs> that would be I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> Something, someone like that would be amazing. Those would be my role models. Yeah, I don't know. I think I really, in terms of like younger people who could maybe tell that that younger part of the story, I personally love Zendaya. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you're a fan, but I just think, one, she's a phenomenal actress. Yeah, but two, her poise and just the way she really, um, she's so eloquent in she's how she so handles herself, cool. and yeah. she's so thoughtful on bringing impact into the world. She recognizes that she's a role model and uses her platform for positive change, and so will be honored if, if Zendaya would ever play my uh, my role in mm-hmm. it. Wonderful. <laughs> yes, I think that's about it from me. Is there anything else that you're burning to let people know about you and? Um... You know, something that uh, you think maybe we didn't touch on. Not about me, just for anyone who is is listening and who has thought about entrepreneurship or has an idea, or maybe you're in a, a job or a role that feels like it's not aligned to purpose and it's just work and it's dragging you down. I just encourage you to really find your purpose and the things that you can do in life that are going to lift you up. Life is too short, I think, for us to to live life that way. And mm. we should be able to pursue passion and purpose. Uh, and I just strongly believe that if you take those leaps of faith and are really aligning, for me, it's three things. It's aligning my spirituality and what I'm being called to do. So with that purpose, what's my purpose in life? But also understanding what, what am I uniquely qualified for? What are my unique gifts that I have to give to the world? Because there's no one else out there that is like you has been like you or will be like you in the future. And there's someone out there that needs whatever you are uniquely offering. And so I just encourage anyone that hasn't started that journey yet and who is thinking about it, whether that's leading you to a difference in how you live life, it's leading you on entrepreneurship journey, it's leading you to change careers, to start that work today, because I promise you it will be so, so fulfilling and you will not look back. Wonderful. Well, Ms. Brooke Daniels, how can people get hold of you? Yes. So I do have, if you're interested in the Ready Aim Launch program, and again, the Accelerator is live today, but the Academy will be launching November. Mm -hmm. You can go to my website, thebrookdaniels.com. That's just T-H-E-B-R-O-O-K-E daniels.com. I'm also really active on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all the same for three the Brick Daniels. And I do post a lot of resources and knowledge there as well. And if you're interested at all in the business credit aspect that I shared, that's my husband's business. So we do tag that one together. It is called Alsace Legacy Group. And that is A-L-S-A-C-E legacygroup.com. Wonderful. Thank you so very much for your time and for sharing all this knowledge with uh, us. And uh, I wish you all the best with the new Academy and I look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much. And that is all from me this time around. I hope you are ignited to align your purpose or mission with the work that you do on a day-to-day basis. Thank you for listening and for your ongoing support. Please share Shades and Layers with a friend and let everybody know about it. I'm Gublonos Kosana Ritchie. And until next time, Please do take good care. Hey, friends, I wanted to recommend a recent podcast episode from the State of Inclusion podcast. If you enjoy Shades and Layers, you'll likely enjoy this interview as well. 
The episode is titled Building an Equitable Entrepreneurial Ecosystem. Amy, the host, interviews Magali Yacinth, a young black entrepreneur and social innovator. Magali is also leading the Black Wall Street Forward Ecosystem Initiative with an organization called Forward Cities. I especially enjoyed hearing about the passion and purpose she brings to her work. And uh, you can find a link to uh, the State of Inclusion podcast in the show notes.